Hey, dickheads! We've got three pink laser beams of truth beaming from all different parts of the United States to your brain hole tonight. We have an interview panel. Yeah, joining us tonight is... Dan Abella of the International Philip K. Dick Film Festival and Victor Payan of Massa Media and the International Philip K. Dick Film Festival. And Cameron Mitchell out of Mississippi, who's organizing Philip K. Dick Festival in Colorado coming up this summer. A lot of content here. We also nerd out a little bit on our favorite Philip K. Dick works. I hope you enjoy this interview. Anthony, you have anything to say? I did. I do think I'm going to make it out to the Colorado Festival as well as the more California local festival. I'm going to go to both. All right. Just uh, tune in here and uh, find out uh, why you want to start making travel plans. Uh, Talk to you later, dickheads. Enjoy the interview. So joining us tonight, we have three special guests on the podcast. Uh, first is Charles Cameron Mitchell from Mississippi, and introduce yourself. Hi, uh, Charles Cameron Mitchell. Uh, got into Philip K. Dick in 2014, but got into it pretty big, and currently helping to organize a Philip K. Dick festival in Fort Morgan, Colorado, and uh, hope to see you there this summer. Okay, and we'll come back to you and your Phil K. Dick background in a minute. Uh, from New York, we have Dan Annabella. All right, Dan, introduce yourself. Okay, uh, I'm Dan Annabella. i the organizer and founder of the Philip K. Dick Film Festival in New York City. Been running the festival since 2012, consecutively every year. We've done film festivals all over the world in New York for the last six years. We've also done them in France, in Germany, and in Poland. And this year, uh, thanks to Victor and his organization, we'll be doing them in Santa Ana, which is a very exciting place, as you all know. Um, basically, my interest in Philip K. Dick comes from reading uh, – a review by Ursula K. Le Guin comparing Philip K. Dick to Jorge Luis Borges. And I'm a big fan of South American realism, and I realized that perhaps this is somebody that I was worth, worth uh, reading about. So the minute I started reading Philip K. Dick, and I started reading everything backwards, starting from Vallis all the way back to the beginning, Man in the High Castle. And I found out this is the kind of person that I could relate to on many levels, not only philosophically, academically, uh, spiritually, and so forth. So uh, what was a small little embryonic idea has turned into a basically a festival which we run all over the world. And I think this, in, this year I'm looking at doing it in England as well. That's pretty much what we do in a nutshell. And we use film as a primary medium, but uh, we also have done panels and um, introduced uh, – uh, lecturers from all walks of of the world, uh, science, science fiction, the paranormal, 
and so forth. So it's a, it's a good uh, platform from where to uh, explore the Philip K. Dick universe. All right, we'll get back into more details about the fest in a little bit. But um, also joining us tonight is Victor. And tell us what your involvement is, Victor. Well, I'm Victor Payan, the director of uh, Media Arts Santa Ana Massa. And uh, as uh, dickheads know, uh, Philip K. Dick spent his last uh, years in Santa Ana and his last decade in Orange County. Um, so we were excited at the opportunity to work with Dan to bring the festival out here, given that um, this is Philip K. Dick's uh, 90th birth year, um, the 50th anniversary of the uh, um, uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep and the year in which Blade Runner takes place. So to have the event in California... Uh, you know, there are a lot of reasons to do that, and so we got some support from the city to bring them out here to highlight Philip K. Dick's influence on um, Orange County, but also Orange County's influence on Philip K. Dick. And um, one thing that uh, we really like is uh, how multicultural and outsider his vision is, because when you look at some other science fiction writers, they tend to be very kind of almost fascist and, you know, uh, militaristic. So Philip K. Dick is somebody that I think we can really identify with um, Orange County, which used to be referred to as the Orange Curtain, especially when he lived here, when it was Nixon country and Reagan country. Um, and since then, the whole county has turned blue. So there's all kinds of social and cultural shifts happening. And looking at, at you know, what Philip K. Dick's predictive um, vision was to see how much of it is, is, is taking place. It's really exciting to have that kind of conversation here, just a block where he lived. Mm hmm. Well, we'll get more into uh, just nerding out on uh, on PKD in a little bit. Cameron, can you tell us a little bit more? Um, let's go more in depth with what you got in mind for your festival. This is the second year, you said? Yes, I was uh, just a guest the first year. We had it in, uh, or rather, uh, Lord Running Clam, David Hyde, had it in uh, 2017, and... It, it was it was great being a guest. Uh, I write for the Philip K. Dikotaku and uh, met Lord Running Clam in Fullerton at a conference back in 2016, which was a lot of fun, by the way. Um, anyway, him and I hit it off, and uh, this festival has gone international. We've got people from all over the world uh, planning on attending. Um, let's see, his uh, his last wife, Tessa Dick, plans to attend. Uh she lives in California currently. Um, there's quite a few people. Sean Nye, the musicologist who teaches in Southern California and in Berlin, he uh, has Philip K. Dick's personal vinyl collection, and he plans on bringing the vinyl collection for uh, guests to, to well, I'm not sure if he's going to let us actually thumb through it, but <laughs> the, the, the vinyl collection is going to be there. Um, it, uh there's quite a few things on the list. Let's see. There, there's Eric Davis who writes some really interesting stuff like a uh, technosticism. Uh, he's planning on coming. Uh, Andre Wentz who helped uh, write Wide Books. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, he runs Wide Books with David Hyde. Uh, he's planning on attending. Uh, him and David are premiering the third installment of Precious Artifacts which is there, uh, if you're a book collector, a Philip K. Dick book collector and fan, 
like their wide book uh, bibliography, their precious artifacts are like a must have. Uh, this third installment is the French editions. Their first installment was the the uh, UK and the US novels. And then I think the second was the short stories. And that was the uh, Oceana UK and the uh, US versions. Um, it's in Fort Morgan, Colorado. We chose Fort Morgan because it's the final resting place of Phil, where he shares a grave where with his uh, twin sister, Jane. Um, we, we like to... Uh, do this respectfully. Like we, we're going to visit the, the grave and hold a visual, uh, a, a visual, excuse me. And um, yeah, yeah, it's it was it was it was really touching last year. Uh, I wrote a review on it for the Otaku, and I remember talking about the grave itself is like a uh, a kaleidoscope of kipple because uh, every day that I was out there, uh, it. It, it changed. There, there were coins and, and um, I think a, a copy of uh, Counter Clock World and, and then people's uh, cards and, and like a, a little toy sheep was out there or um, little pebbles that people left behind. But every day it, it was moved around like more more stuff was added. Stuff was taken away, um, uh, maybe by the wind, maybe by, you know, a fan try to trying to trying to take a memento home or what have you. Um Anyway, uh, I'm pretty excited about it. It's going to be in August. It's August uh, 9th and 10th mainly, but I urge whoever plans on coming to get there on the 8th. We're all going to hang out at the Cables Bar across the road from the, the museum and the library and uh, chit-chat, get to know each other. Uh, I think on Saturday night, which is the 10th, I'm hosting a trivia contest where there's going to be prizes. I'm going to See who's the biggest dickhead of us all. Uh, I'm going to have three different rounds. One, one's going to be the life of Philip K. Dick, like his personal life, his uh, religious experiences, stuff on the break-in, whatnot. And then um, questions like in the second round on his work, his short stories, his novels. And then uh, the last round will be anything dealing with adaptation, whether it be the, the fan base or... Um, uh, m- movies, television shows based off of his work. All right, Dan, can you tell us some stuff about the history of the Film Fest, how it got started, and some things that have happened in the past that can kind of give us an idea of what to look forward to in the future? I'd also like to know what kind of films we can expect. Okay, well, you know, the year one was December... Um, I believe it was December 13th, 2012. Uh, and that we had a premiere of uh, Radio Free Albemuth directed by John Allen Simon, which is probably the, more, the most faithful adaptation of any of the PK-themed novels ever. Um, so um, at that time, we, know, we had John present uh, along with other writers, including contemporaries of Philip K. Dick at that time, or not as well. Um, the objective of, of, of was to essentially uh, disseminate the message that reality has become like, a, we basically live in a PKD universe. And I think now everybody's talking about it. We were talking about this 10 years ago. Maybe PKD was talking about it back then. But essentially the... Uh, world between science and science fiction has pretty much disappeared to the point that 
companies like Adidas are actually hiring science fiction writers so they can create worlds and basing up, uh, on their information what the world's going to look like 5, 10, 20 years, they will pay these writers, which is all, it's amazing. So I think this uh, only validates this idea that uh, we live in a PKD universe and it's a universe of paranoia, surveillance, multiple realities, uh, and so forth, which is uh, something that I p feel perfectly at home with. So the objective is that we always have shorts as well as features that, if not directly, are adaptations of Philip K. Dick. They are inspirations based upon his work. So we've had always at least one or two shorts that are actually based upon some public domain uh, shorts from the early 50s. And we always have at least a feature that is not a, well, in the case of Radio Free Album, it was a direct uh, uh, adaptation. So uh, over the course of the years, we've introduced many different variety of themes, ranging from time travel to UFOs, to paranormal phenomena. Because at the end of the day, what the one thing that separates Philip K. Dick from just about every single writer is, is inclusivity. Not only political, social, economic, but scientific. And we believe at the bottom of all phenomena, whether it be UFOs, parallel realities, is uh, or Sasquatch, is consciousness. And the nature of consciousness has to be explored, not just from a philosophical, literary, or scientific, from a multidisciplinary approach and multi-platform cinematic literary, philosophical, and so forth, because at the nexus, at the core, is a kernel. And that's the kernel of, of, of truth or of uh, possibility that exists. And that's what we're trying to do here at our festival. Uh, uh, we had Jacques Vallée, for those who are ufologists uh, amongst you, uh, we had a couple of years ago. We had Hal Pudoff, who was one of the first um, men to, uh, he was actually the first who um, started the uh, remote viewing program. So, um, yeah, actually, a few years to a few later, a year or two later, it turns out that he ends up working for uh, Tom DeLonge and it starts the, uh, the, the To the Stars Academy, which is a, a whole another angle. But it all fits in the whole dy dystopian dy uh, PKD reality. The main thing is that our festival wants to bring in different threads of the culture. Uh, this year, for instance, we have actually a, uh, uh, we're uh, premiering a uh, movie called um, Taking uh, Tiger Mountain Revisited, which is, it stars uh, Bill Paxton in his, his first role. And it's actually loosely based on Blade Runner, not uh, Scott's Blade Runner, but the original Blade Runner written by William Burroughs. It's a short story. Now, this being changed around a little bit. And... Uh, Basically, this character uh, uh, portrayed by Bill Paxton is a uh, uh, Manchurian candidate who's sent out to assassinate a few, uh, some uh, people who are who are running a uh, an illegal prostitution ring. You know, it's a very uh, bizarre but very P uh, uh, Dickian kind of uh, uh, scenario. Um, the uh, movie was uh, made back in the early seventies and it has Bill Paxton in his early roles. Uh, we actually have a short called, um, uh, I think it's called Beyond the Door, which is uh, based upon one of the early PKD public domain shorts. That's also going to be. Um, and in addition, we have a variety of films that 
are directly influenced uh, being influenced by PKD, whether it be the, what is the difference between how can we tell what is what is human? What how do you define human? Uh, we have the issue, the conflict between post-human and human, androids versus human, or uh, multiple realities. So we try to explore different venues, and this will be done uh, in New York City uh, a couple of days. And but most of the work will be done in in California at uh, Santa Ana at Ebo, the Ebo Club, as well as the. Uh, uh, or OC uh, County a Museum of Art, as well as uh, Echo Park Film Center. So there'll be a nice mixture, not just narrative sci-fi, but experimental sci-fi. So uh, we try to appeal to all tastes. And, you know, one thing I, I, I want to point out this year, which really sets it apart from other years, is its uh, cultural diversity. Uh, I began to notice that as, as I was watching in a lot of the films they had, either female directors or Hispanic or African-American directors, which just struck me. These were great films. I mean, I the way I approach films is it's got to be good. I don't, I don't believe in quotas. The film's got to be good, and then that's it. And I, 50% of, close to 40% of the films were by female directors. I was very pleasantly surprised. And many Latino and African-American uh, director and writers. So that suggests that there's another wave emerging uh, out there uh, that's uh, that will present new, a new fresh vision and outlook to the whole PKD universe. So at the end of the day, PKD is about the other, whether it be the other it could be a, a white guy in the middle of nowhere, or it could be part of the disenfranchised groups that feel they're being left out by the, our so-called economy uh, and so forth. So at the end, the other it, it can represent a variety of people. And I think that uh, these who, uh, the various groups that we're representing have have something to say that usually are not it's not spoken about in the mainstream media. So I'm very excited to uh, to show those kind of films, and I think that's all in the spirit of inclusivity that uh, that uh, Philip K. Dick is so well known. Um, so very excited. The, uh, the festival begins in uh, starts uh, March 14th at the Museum of the Moving Image. It runs, uh, then we have a, we skip a day, we'll have a day at the, uh, in New York City, in Manhattan, at the Producers Club, then we on to California, Thursday, Echo Park Film Center, Friday, Santa Ana, Saturday, OC Museum, and then finish with Sunday at Santa, um, at, uh, Ebook, the Ebook Club. So, this, uh, there are close to 100 films that we've programmed. Uh, many of them are world premieres. And they're all international films from India, from Japan, from uh, South America, from uh, the U.S., from Canada, from Australia, from Finland. It's all over there, just about. So I'm very excited. All right. So we'll come back to some of those films because uh, I definitely want to um, get more uh, kind of heads up on, on what's going on there. But, uh, Victor, I'm really interested in, in when you said that the city of Santa Ana got involved Um that's really cool to hear because I'm sure Phil probably was, um, you know, not a famous guy in, in a sense outside of the sci-fi community when he died in, uh, living in Santa Ana. So it's really cool to hear. And I know we've, we've seen some more respect happening, like Chicago choosing uh, Do Androids Dream Electric Sheep for their one city, one book is an example that this is kind of turning around. How did Santa Ana as a city get involved? 
Well, we've been working with the city for a number of years. Um, uh, they About 20 years ago, they, they made a commitment to the arts, and they started what was called an artist village in the downtown. And so um, galleries and independent uh, arts and culture kind of fueled the, the you know, kind of the, um, the renovation of, of, of Santa Ana. It's an 80% Latino, contrary to the stereotype of Orange County. You know, it's a working-class community. One of the reasons probably Philip K. Dick lived here was because it was one of the affordable places to live in Orange County. Um, but, there, but there's a unique uh, character to it that is separate from, like, the real housewives or, you know, the surf Nazi kind of idea of what OC was. And so we feel that that, um, that multicultural element that he's walking through every day when he's going to buy his groceries, when he's going to, you know, to a cafe or, or just, you know, going out to, to write somewhere influenced what he saw of society. And at that time also, Orange County was, like I said, in Nixon country um, and, and Reagan country, uh, very oppressive, very uh, totalitarian. Um, but we worked with the city to form an arts commission, and that arts commission, among the many things it does, uh, like affordable housing for artists, uh, is they do an arts grant. So we applied this year for the Investing in the Artist grant to bring uh, Dan and the festival out here Um and, uh, and we got the grant, so that'll help get some of the expenses to, uh, to have it out here. But really to promote the, you know, what it is for a, a real visionary influential writer, what it means for them to have a place to call home. You know, it's not the trendy restaurants and cafes. It's a place where they can actually be and work and, and feel, uh, you know, at home. Um, and also, uh, you know, Santa Ana has a kind of a film history that goes back to the silent era when uh, it was kind of the getaway from Hollywood. So people like Charlie Chaplin, John Ford, um, Burns and Allen, uh, Lucy and Ricky, they would all come to Santa Ana as their getaway. And um, what's his name? Uh, Marlon Brando grew up here. Uh, Carol Burnett, not Carol Burnett, Diane Keaton, uh, Will Ferrell's uh, you know, parents uh, worked out here. So, so that we have a, a, a creative history and culture and contribution that having somebody like Philip K. Dick who lived here further reinforces that that's something that we need to focus on to inspire the next generation of writers and filmmakers, uh, musicians, because as Dan said, being an outsider vision, uh, and now the outside is kind of the inside. Um, you know, he didn't make a lot of money when he was alive. Uh, and uh, sadly, Blade Runner, the movie came out after he had passed away, but he lived long enough to see the film in production and see what his vision was being translated into with Ridley Scott. And I think all of us, when we first saw Blade Runner, were completely blown away. And that multicultural vision that you see on the screen, it was so revolutionary at that time because, you know, science fiction was not necessarily a multicultural genre. Um, and it was also not a lived in genre. Everything was very pristine and futuristic. So this, uh, you know, this kind of vision reflects what we see in Santa Ana and what people see generally in any city where they live, but what was really not seen in science fiction or futurism where you're talking about all the idealism and, and um, you know, these, these uh, utopias, the idea of dystopia, which really, you know, kind of catches on with Philip K. Dick, uh, as Dan said, is the state that we're in now. So the minds that are going to find the, the solutions to our world problems need to be thinking like Philip K. Dick did. So one of the things that we also did with the city is we did um, a youth, or not a youth, uh, a short film challenge, the Philip K. Dick a Multicultural Dystopian Sci-Fi Short Film Challenge, where we've invited people to submit films up to five minutes in length. 
Um, and we've gotten, just like Dan said, female directors, animators, films from Australia and South Asia. So um, his influence is worldwide. And to be able to come to Santa Ana and walk on the streets where he walked, we're going to do a Philip K. Dick walking tour to uh, where his apartment was. To There's a famous picture where he's uh, it's like his press jacket photo. And we're going to take you to the spot where he took that photo so you can also take your own you know, a memento of where he was. Um, we're talking to uh, Herbert Sequenza of Culture Clash, who's down there working in San Diego, about doing a table read of his uh, new play about Isaac Asimov. So there's lots of ways that Philip K. Dick has influenced the artists and creatives and visionaries up to this point. We want to make sure that it influences the next generation as well. Yeah, and I think that's part of um, our mission, too, is is to make sure that uh, we know that spreading the word about PKD and kind of widening the circle is, is something that we're all passionate about. We wouldn't be doing these things that, that we're doing. A lot of it for us is, um, you know, learning from his whole, you know, we're reading all of his books in order and breaking them down. And, and I'm wondering about the journey, Cameron, that... Um, that you took as a as a reader and how like getting face to face with other um Philip K. Dick fans, did you find that um you were meeting kindred spirits? Did it change your uh PKD fandom to interact with other people that were were uh into PKD? Oh, very much so. Um it was I'm actually working on a book. Um, about that very subject and kind of meshed in what uh, you were saying about um, well, what we were all saying about living in a Philip K. Dick uh, society, basically. Uh, my last article for the Philip K. Dick Otaku was about living in a Philip K. Dick novel. Um, it was a series of weird dreams and synchronicities that led me to start reading Philip K. Dick. And I picked up Ubik one day and I felt this weird feeling that I later felt like was defined by Phil when I read Vallis and he described amnesis or amnius. And my pr pronunciation might be way off on it. Uh, anyway, the book is nowhere near complete. I've um, sidetracked it to work on the festival, to uh, write for the otaku and to just live my life. Like I I'm an artist, but, uh, most of the time it's culinary art where I work full time cooking, um, which I love it. Uh, feeding people's great. It's, uh, anyway, the love of Philip K. Dick has taken me, um, to Chicago where I went to, um, international, um, I'm sorry. It was the noetic society science conference. That was very interesting. I met quite a few people there. Uh, later went to Fullerton for the Philip K. Dick conference and uh, uh, an old surfer fellow that I met in Chicago, old Phil's birthplace, he came and picked me up at the airport and dropped me off at uh, Fullerton. It was great. I've made some really good connections. And uh, speaking of kindred spirits, um, I, got, I really made friends with this, this fellow named Cliff Jones whenever I went to the uh, first Fort Morgan Festival, um, Fort Morgan, Colorado. That was the uh, 2017 festival. Um, him and I bonded and our book ideas were very similar in that they relate to Vallis yet, uh, or, or intertwined. 
I feel like meeting him, uh, there was a kindred spirit there, along with David Hyde, Lord Running Clam, who's hosting the festival. Um, <clears throat> the David Hyde's actually written a play for the festival. It's a one-act play. It's not too long, and he uh, took notes from Agatha Christie, I suppose, because it's called a Hercule Pyro and the Case of the Crazy Writer. But I know that there's some audience participation, and that's going to be a lot of fun in itself. Um, <clears throat> there's several lectures planned for the festival. Um, I believe William Sorrell, who is a friend of Phil's, he plans on coming. I'm not sure. Uh, it's, it's a tentative uh, plan so far, so he might be able to make it. He's planning on driving from Boston, and uh, him and Phil met. And became friends, headed off. Uh, William stayed a few days with them and ended up the conversation uh, that him and Phil had became the inspiration for A Maze of Death. So that was interesting. There, I met William in Fullerton and then uh, saw him later on in Fort Morgan. Um, let's see, there's, there's Frank Hollander, who is like a completist when it comes to Philip K. Dick. He plans on attending the festival. Uh, there's a... New Orleans-based artist who does a lot of Philip K. Dick-themed art, who plans on attending. His name is uh, Brent Hosinga. He's a friend of mine as well. He he throws a Philip K. Dick-themed birthday party in New Orleans every year. And uh, I happened to make it this year, which would have been Phil's 90th birthday. And they had a birthday cake with 90 candles, and uh, we, we sang him happy birthday, and um, it was great. There were a lot of artists there. They had uh, an improv troupe do some stuff that was a lot of fun. So Brent's excited about the festival as well. He's bringing a lot of his art, and uh, he'll be there. Let's see, there's um, Andrew Butler, who, uh, let's see, Lord Running Clam called him our guest of honor. So Andrew M. Butler is uh, a pretty big deal. He's going to fly in from London, and he wrote the Pocket Essentials to Philip K. Dick. He uh, also wrote the Pocket Essentials to Cyberpunk. And I look forward to seeing him. There's uh, Nick Buchanan on the guest list, who's the uh, illustrator for the Philip K. Dikotaku. And then the person who puts together the Philip K. Dikotaku, uh, Patrick Clark, he plans on coming from Minnesota. I'm not sure if he's planning on flying or driving, but uh, Patrick Clark plans to attend. And uh, I look forward to seeing him as well, because me and Patrick hit it off. I remember standing at the grave with Lord Running Clam and Patrick Clark, and we were talking about the uh, tattered copy of A Counter Clock World that was sitting on the grave, and uh, we talked about how maybe someone put it there to, to try to, to try to bring Phil back, you know, to try to get him to come up out of the grave. And um, Patrick joked, oh, the only thing that's probably going to happen is that book's going to turn back into a tree and grow out of the grave. <laughs> All right, so um, so let's get back to the the history of the or, or the the films that are going to be playing in the film fest. Now, um, Dan, you said that um, that uh, with the great variety of films that were coming, what's your process in selecting the films um, each year, and is it based on submissions and 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 how do you? Um, do you get a lot of films that don't fit the theme, and 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 how's that process? Well, yes, I mean we we certainly could have if we were just another sci-fi festival. I'm sure our, our submission would be 
five times as much. I mean, I think when people think of the Philip K. Dick Film Festival, they're not thinking of some kind of uh, corny, uh, half-ass sci-fi short midnight short. They 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 know what they they know what the kind of films we're looking for, which are, you know, uh, whether either hard science sci-fi or deep philosophical introspective themes whose characters are nobodies which we're, we're trying to fight a, a world that's becoming progressively dehumanized so yes i mean i think it's great because the kind of films we get as a as a whole are very uh dark dystopian there are, we do throw some you know every so often we'll have uh, uh, something that's funny uh you know, a nice, a nice break of pace. But in general, they're very uh, introspective. They're dealing with the nature of reality. Uh, and it can be very disturbing, parallel realities, uh, inverted totalitarianisms, corporate totalitarianism, transhumanism, all these uh, isms that seem to be buzzwords these days. And Philip K. Dick saw and wrote about in his novel. We see them in films. I mean, um, what I find most interesting is that a lot of the films that are say, t five, six years ago, that were just sci-fi. Now I've seen them come into being implemented in, in a, in a, as, a cult, as cultural engineers. For instance, in China, you probably know there's already a kind of Facebook-type entity that gives you social credits, not only on the loans, but in everything. Are you go to work regularly? Are you late to work? This is the kind of thing that would appear in a, in a PKD novel, you know, and it's happening already. It's almost like... Uh, well, as I mentioned, all of us have observed that we live in, in a PKD universe. It is not just the U.S. It's applying to the whole world. It's, it's part of that that part of a PKD wave, and I think people are recognizing it. Um, so, yes, back to your question. The uh, filmmakers, uh, the selection is, I, I have a team generally of about 10 trusted uh, filmmakers who've actually made shorts and features themselves. So I, we basically share teams and we watch the films and uh, every film gets two or three viewings. There's not one person who just dominates this, okay, this film has to go. We review it. I usually end up watching every film that's being selected by, by all the other programmers just in case, just to see if there's something off or not. So um, I think they get a good viewing. I think that the the spirit is one of uh, of uh, introspection, uh, questioning reality, questioning uh, uh, cultural values. I remember Philip K. Dick was not a Democrat or Republican. He was a, probably closely to a libertarian, if anything. I mean, or or uh, anarcho. I mean, or li a libertarian ar anarchist type. I mean, the whole idea he his themes are warning us against any kind of totalitarianism. So a lot of us are worried about Trump and what he's doing tomorrow. Well, guess what? We should be worried about Google. We should be worried about Facebook. We should be worried about all these guys because you know what? Trump is going to be gone four years or eight years. These companies ain't going anywhere. And every year they're developing more apps, more ways to just find out what people are doing. Uh, so we should be very concerned about them in the, the long term. And their objectives were transhumanism, which right now is a joke. Come on, uh, downloading your consciousness into a machine. But Elon Musk is talking about that very seriously. He's got a company called Neuralink. The idea is to create a mesh so it will connect us to 
the you know high speed internet. This is no sci fi anymore. This is some serious stuff or AI. And AI is not just general artificial intelligence, not a but the algorithms. The algorithms can start controlling and dictating how we run our lives. It doesn't have to be conscious. So I think these are things that P, uh, Phil warned us about in his novel, about different uh, various manifestations of of the human um, condition, say. And but at, at the bottom, there is there is still a light of hope. I think that Phil shows we can still be dignified. We can still be human beings. And, even when we're surrounded by the machines, we don't have to be heroes. We don't have to be Arnold Schwarzeneggers or Tom Cruises jumping from building to building the way Hollywood portrays. But just as just as an every every person with dignity and value, and uh, is is I think as I remember watching, um, he's reading a uh, on on a, on a wall the other days, and I and and the slogan is in a world that prizes self doubt. The person who values himself, who likes himself, is the ultimate act of a uh, of rebellion. See, we are all told to hate ourselves. Things we we all offer things that we don't need. The person who truly loves himself, who truly appreciates that through his actions, through his life, you know, there's nothing that the system can do to that person. He's truly free. He's out of the iron prison, which Philip t- talked about. Remember, at the end. Uh, even in the Gnostic Gospels, when Christ talks about unconditional love, it's the same th- that Buddha talks about. This is how you break out of the prison. Because if you just use anger, the prison wants your anger, so he can keep you in the matrix. But if you break through it, hey, nobody can touch you through unconditional love. Total, it doesn't mean loving in the, in the more secular way. We're talking about total and unconditional acceptance of what is at that moment. It's very hard to do, obviously, but I think that's the way uh, the fly can leave the uh, fly bottle. So, uh, you know, these are films, and these are not these are not heavy philosophical works. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't they don't read much today. I wish they did because I love reading the uh, PK these books. But there's got to be a way we can get to the audiences. Uh, but not films, books, meet virtual reality, so people can start to wake up to what's happening. I think many are. Many realize the whole fake news, which is a very PKD concept, it's people are beginning to use it. And that's a, that's a good sign that, that at least a segment of humanity is beginning to realize, hey, you know, we're being lied to everywhere. We're being lied to by the old media. We're being lied by the mainstream media. So that questioning attitude is the key. That profound metaphysical skepticism don't believe your reality tunnels. That's ultimately, I think, what Phil says is question, question, question. Don't stop. Because that's the beginning of dogma. That's the beginning of enshrining a particular system of thought and making and, and deifying it, which is really at the bottom of a lot of, of our problems. So uh, I'm hoping through our festivals, through the kind of films that we select, people can walk away saying, hey, you know what? Uh, that film really made me think. Like, you know, when The Matrix came out, a lot of people thought about it. Besides the Kung Fu, they started thinking about it. So I'm hoping that some of these films are, uh, you know, affect lives on a very personal basis. Is and, and that's uh, that's what gives me pleasure. It's it, We may not have 10,000 submissions, 
but the submissions we're getting, I would say about 90% of them are right on, right on the money. So, Dan, speaking of submissions, I'm curious, and we talk a lot about this on the podcast, um, when sure. you're when um, you're putting out a call for films, short films, animated films, inspired by the works of Philip K. Dick or adapted from the works of Philip K. Dick, how many of these films that you receive seem to be directly more inspired by the movies based off of Dick's work versus his actual writings and themes that are in his his literature? Well, I would say... Okay, so the the plot, the plot of the film, I would say about fifty percent of the plot is inspired by his. Uh, the plot and the premise is inspired by the by the by the books. Now the characters, unfortunately, are often more action based. Okay. There's still that that tendency to try to uh, put more. You know, I guess it's part of how the three act structure is built and so on. So there's more of that. We do have some introspective characters that are basically nobodies we're dealing with. So I would say about 20% of the film deals with uh, characters that, that are that are not he- superheroes. They're antiheroes or aheroes. You know, they're just, I would say about 50% or 60% are is the premise, the plot. What is the theme? Uh, parallel realities, dystopia, corporate totalitarianism, uh, surveillance. Man versus machine, uh, robots. What? What is? I think about in that sense. I would say sixty to seventy percent of the films are influenced directly by either androids or, in some instances, they're they're they're, they're influenced by Blade Runner, the movie itself. So you so, would say uh, that that there's more yeah. influence. That Blade Runner is probably the biggest influence of the films that you get. Uh, I w- well. Blade Runner is one. Um, what else? Uh, I would say uh, the Adjustment Bureau, both both in the short and the and the uh, and, and the movie. We've seen many of those. Any talking um, dogs in, in those Adjustment Bureau <laughs> or talking bees? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were some uh, some talk. Well, there were several some entities who were talking. They were not necessarily bees, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I would say that a good percentage of them come from, um, I would say over 50% come from the, the films themselves. Blade right. Runner. That, that's just is, something we, ma- we discuss a lot here because it seems like the majority of people who are familiar with Philip K. Dick are really only familiar with the films based on his work. Yeah, and, and you'll find, and I don't know if everybody else feels this way, but when I have to say, like, oh, I do a podcast about Phil K. Dick, that I say, you know, he Blade, wrote Blade, Blade Runner, Runner and Minority Report. Oh, yeah. And I still get the, huh? Yeah. But, but uh, one thing that I think that's important about both of these festivals is that they do draw attention back to the source material. They do raise awareness about the books. Like, after absolutely. You know, we were talking to Dan, I did a, a, a search of the OC libraries, and they have a huge amount of his material short stories, novels, uh, anthologies, criticism, interpretation and analysis. So I remember I grew up in San Diego in El Cajon uh, in East County. Oh, yeah, and me too. as a kid, I used to love going to the used <laughs> bookstores. There was 50,000 books and another one. And that science fiction section was always mysterious and magical, you know, and Philip Kiddick's name was there and looking at the covers and the titles and just thumbing through them. It's an experience in itself. And I think that Philip K. Dick is a kind of artist who allows multiple entry points. If you're 
you know, in high school and you're going through your library, you're going to find a book that speaks to you. If you're walking, you know, going through the Internet or even now with Electric Dreams and Man in the High Castle on Amazon, you're seeing direct, you know, more faithful adaptations of his work. Um, we premiered, uh, uh, did the OC premiere of Man in the High Castle at our festival, and we also did the OC premiere of, um, of uh, uh, Radio Free Album And the conversations that, that, that those brought about alternate histories, alternate futures, about um, not just technology, but metaphysics and the cross between the two, um, was really exciting. If you go to um, the film festival website, thephilipkdickfilmfestival.com, and look at the trailer from last year's, you'll get a sense of the kind of amazing films that they're going to be screened. And we have the, the, uh, the schedule online now, um, so you can check that out. But uh, we're really interested in also the conversations and the, um, the, 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 the meshing of visions, people coming out, having a social experience, like I said, the opportunity to uh, have these conversations just down the street from where you live. You know, if you're a, if you're a dickhead, is, is is really, you know, part of the uh, of the magic of this year's festival um, to breathe that air and you know to see the streets that he saw, um, and we hope that that inspires people so that they don't think, oh, it's just Hollywood, you know, that this was a real guy with real problems uh, and real bills who lived and he created this work despite you know the pressures against it and despite you know the world that he lived in. So not wanting to see that vision that he's writing about, but so true to his vision that it's you know it it's so faithful that that it's unmistakable how predictable he was or how predictive he was. When you look at all the things that that, that Dan was saying, and, and also you know looking at the election and the and the the, the tampering, you know the, the the digital tampering of the election, um, these are issues that we can't ignore. How does this affect what's happening in Brazil? How does this affect what's happening in Venezuela? You know, in China, you know, we're all interrelated. Um, I remember, you know, just recently I went back to read um, one of uh, Philip K. Dick's first stories, um, Beyond Lies the Wub. And, and just when you get to the end of that, it's just that surprise. But there's a very metaphysical cast to that very science fiction story. And I think even from the beginning, you know, what we're talking about is string theory. We're talking about is, is these new concepts. He's aware of the of the intersection of those two worlds, which you also see in magical realism in Latin America, and and is very, very present in in the reality that we live in today. So, you know, being that we're all dickheads and 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 uh, we kind of appreciate that. Did you get freeze? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I don't think so. Yeah, they froze. They froze. Okay. It's that that surveillance me... uh, uh, society we're talking about. Yes. <laughs> Sorry they, about uh, that. Didn't like what we were talking about, guys. <laughs> well, yeah, um, to reset, um, since we're all dickheads and we uh, think about the multiverse all the time, I'd like to su- ask a question to all three of you. Is imagine uh, a multiverse where uh, PKD didn't didn't uh, it was still with us, and he was able to see the impact of the films. He was able to continue to write. How do you think? Um, PKD would um, kind of process the experience that these festivals are are, are coming around his work because we know that he was really excited about the reaction in France and he felt like that was the only place where he was getting the respect in the 70s 
that he that he felt he deserved. So how do you think he would react to the to the festivals happening? Uh, I think he'd probably attend. You know, I think he'd be thrilled. Uh, I, I think he'd have a much more disgusted reaction with what was going on with uh, society today. The way uh, technology's taken off is, is, is pretty scary, and that would probably like push him further into agoraphobia. But uh, I think he'd want to venture out for for something paying him respect like that and, and homage to Phil. Yeah, I, I think he would have definitely been would have felt vindicated by. If he had lived long enough to realize by his early writings, because he would have been shot, well, in a, in a shocking sort of way, I think that, because let's face it, I mean, what, what the current administration, what they're doing, uh, is, is makes the Nixon years look up, like, like, like a joke, <laughs> like nothing. I mean, the idea that the normal now, what used to be outrageous now is the normal, it's, uh, would have shocked Phil to the, to the core. But uh, I think he would have, yeah, I think he would have enjoyed the films. Uh, I agree that um, he would have felt that's another avenue through which people can be um, can be influenced. Uh, and uh, I think he would have kept exploring. I think one thing about Phil, he he never stopped searching. Uh, I was um, I had the opportunity to meet Robert Anton Wilson, who was a good friend of Phil back in the late '90s, and um, the two of them really got hit it off back in San Francisco and. And, and Berkeley, and they both had very similar experiences. Robert Anton Wilson had a, just like Phil, at one point, Phil, he, he was receiving transmissions from Sirius, the same with R.A. Wilson, and uh, Timothy Leary, by the way, all around that same time. So it's interesting that's all going on. I think Phil Phil's experience, which a lot of people like to dismiss, is 2374 as just an, uh, a psychotic episode. It's, it's, a much, it's much more than that. I think there are a lot of writers who have that similar kind of experience. They they read, you could say that they start connecting to certain archetypal motifs that exists independently of who we are. And uh, I'm after all these years, I began to realize I think he he hit on something and a kind of a initiation, uh, kind of a disorganized initiation, but nonetheless an initiation that uh, into a, a other realms of, of being. And I, so he, I think he would have kept looking and searching, even today, and the, uh, where every, everything is open to us through the Internet. I, can't, I think his stories would have kept shifting and changing. One thing that had never really been pointed out is that like, I started reading Ubik, and after like page seven, I feel like I just like I'm feeling seriously dissociated. And I think that Phil's writing is he's almost like the James Joyce of sci-fi. Basically, he stream of consciousness, tons of stuff. A lot of this stuff is not syntactically and grammatically correct. But that's the point. His unconscious is talking to your unconscious. That's how I interpret it. It's not like I'm going to analyze this. It's just let the unconscious run it. And so I think he would have kept going. I I think he would have been exploring and exploring and and seeing the films uh, as, as, as just another avenue, you know, uh, of entertainment, perhaps some some. Uh, clarification of his ideas well you know two issues that i really wish i could have gotten a chance to see uh pkd touch on um it would have been interesting to see him write about the aids crisis when it was happening um and i'm I, sorry which what, what what crisis the aids crisis and the, oh, and, the AIDS crisis. yeah and i think it would have been really interesting to see him touch on that and i did recently read um and we're going to do a bonus episode soon about journals of the plague years by norman spinrad 
who did do science fiction on uh, on that topic and it made me really think a lot about how PKD might have addressed that time and then I've recently thought that I would really I don't think he would necessarily address it head on but I think he would really do interesting things in the world building about climate change and right. how yeah. that was affecting the world kind of in the margins of of the books but um uh, Victor, I wonder how, as somebody who's living in Orange County right now and is part of that whole thing, like, um, just, have, did you get any insight into those last years of his life and thinking about, like, where he might have gone from there, just in doing your research and setting up this festival? Yeah, well, he, when he lived out here, um, he lived in Fullerton and he lived in Santa Ana, and when he lived in Fullerton, he was very close to the university there talking to the students. On our website, masamedia.org, we put links to some interviews that he did, a big, um, uh, what do you call it, Rolling Stone article that came out in the, in the early 70s. Um, so he wanted to talk about what he was doing, and I think he would be talking about the opioid crisis. He would have addressed the, you know, the, um, the, the, you know, the, the closing of mental health uh, facilities in the Reagan era. Um, of course, the militarism, the growth of fascism, he would have been a good voice of. He would have been um, uh, really a proponent of, of new media because even all the new media artists, they're all influenced by him. You see these people who have built a Philip K. Dick robot. You know, these are all things that people do because they were inspired. They're passionate by what he had to say. And when he was alive, he was very, um, you know, involved in conversations. Unfortunately, he was such an outsider at that point that... Um, you know, it was hard, just like going into a used bookstore, you know, if, if you found your way to Philip K. Dick, you weren't hanging out with, you know, the hippies or the disco crowd or whatever, you know, you were there for a reason to have these conversations. And I think he would have been fascinated. Um, but, but I think, like I said, what we're interested in, too, is... I think the robot would have terrified him, him yeah. by the way. I really think the robot would have terrified him. But that's um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, Dick doesn't really enjoy androids, but... yeah. I think the oh, robot yeah. would have terrified him. That's that's one thing. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually tried to finagle that to the festival because I uh, thought it would have made an interesting piece. But it's uh, being researched at a university, I believe, in um, Texas. Somewhere in Texas. Wow. I might have uh, about the location is the programming for um, like the. Uh, um, the Philip K. Dick androids dialogue, and he said he used a lot of the exegesis for, for what he pulled. <laughs> yeah, one of the things about Philip K. Dick is that he's that kind of, of artist that one of the, their, their chief contributions is inspiring other artists. And so all these multiple visions that we're seeing um, trace themselves directly back to, to what he was doing. Um, and even his later works, which he did right here in Orange County and in Santa Ana, they're getting a whole new... Um, a whole new life, a whole new appreciation. Whereas, you know, they, they were really dense and blew everybody's minds, you know, in, in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, now society's catching up and there's a real interest in those works too, not just the stuff from the 50s, but uh, his, his later last few works. All right. So I want to I want to do a little roundtable um, just nerding out about PKD's fiction for a little bit, and then we'll do one last pitch to try and get everybody to the fest. Um, 
So I'd like to go around, starting with Cameron, talking about let's let's forget the big ones right now: uh, androids, uh, electric sheep, uh, man in the high castle, uh, Vals. Let's forget those for a minute. Let's. I would like everybody to give an obscure or um, a lesser known, underappreciated, underappreciated. There we go. Uh, PKD book that you think people should revisit um, and why. Hmm. Starting with Cameron, and then we'll go around. I'd have to go with the Galactic Pot Healer, just because I feel like it was um, really different from his other books. He he explored some theological themes, but then never really went back to them. Uh, he does that quite a bit in Vallis, but he he definitely revisits the themes in Vallis. Uh, in Galactic Pot Healer, the the whole dynamic just seems a bit more whimsical. I feel like it's like a mesh between his later work and his early work. Uh, it was kind of, I, I feel like it was almost a children children's book, but the whole uh, dark uh, mirrored image, the dark Nag Hammadi. Oh wait, no, that's, that's, that's the, uh, the Gnostic text place. The, the dark, um, Forget the name of the cathedral they were trying to raise from the sea, but that was terrifying. Um, yeah, people should revisit that. It's it's whimsical, it's fun, and it raises a lot of ideas at the same time. And that that whole average Joe thing that um, go back to Ubik, that Joe Chip character, uh, that you know, uh, me for example, that me character thrown into uh, the the cosmic uh, prank of life. Uh, Dan. Okay, well, you know, I gotta tell you, I'm I'm extremely partial to the, the, to uh, to his last three or four novels. I mean, I know his early stuff is okay, but I love his last four because maybe my bent is more philosophical, metaphysical. So, uh, if you want to discount Vallis, I would say just go with say Divine Invasion. I mean, that's uh, something that I really. Uh, uh, it, it kind of like puts into uh, the whole Gnostic concept into a, into a, into a sci-fi format. The, the, the whole idea of having this being now born in a, now living in another planet and coming back and he's God and so on. It's just like throws a whole new spin on on what it means to uh, you know uh, the whole metaphysical uh, the the metaphysical gnosis. That the Gnostic, the early Gnostics were were uh, experiencing. So, I would say those are really uh, um, those really. The, 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 I can't remember the third one. He did Divine Invasion. Then the third one, the, the other one was a Transmigration, I believe. Of uh, I forget the uh, Timothy, Tim, Timothy. Was it Timothy Archer? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So those three. I mean, I can't say those. I, I mean, I I love Ubik, Man of High Castle. Uh, kind of clockwork world and so forth, but uh, those early ones, uh, those late ones, I really, uh, I would say, you know, just read that. I mean, that's because uh, Philip says one thing that everything in the beginning ends up in Vallis. I would say Vallis and what he wrote afterwards. It's almost like culminates. It's almost like a kind of a reverse uh, implosion. Uh, he, he says that all the writings and all the references to the dark. Hair girl and everything, which he goes it goes back to the very beginning. 
it, it sort of comes back to Vallis and what he writes afterwards. And I, I tend to agree. I think it is a, it, we're talking about a kind of epiphany or a theophany, I would say, that uh, with all this information, all this data, all this eventually comes to a, uh, to a kind of uh, event horizon in his own thinking. And that's in the, in the form of these three books. That's why I would say, now a lot of people might disagree. I know there are a lot of PKD heads who hate that what he did uh, following 19, 1974. They say, no, no, that's no good. I like his early sci-fi stuff. Yeah, that's they're they're welcome to appreciate that. But I would in my book, the the new stuff, the stuff he did like from nineteen seventy eight, seventy seven, Radio Free Album Oath, and those are uh, the stand among probably the embodiment of everything he wrote up until that moment. So Okay. From him as well, the uh, later stuff. Yeah, um just really quick, we uh lost Victor, we're working on getting him back, so we're gonna have um Anthony go I'm next. Back. No, okay. Yeah. Um, so I would have to say my favorite, I don't know if it, if it even counts as being obscure, but it's the three stick motto of Palmer Eldridge. Um, the fact that Dick is able to weave all these realities into such a nice thread that by the time I finished the book, I had no idea what was real and what wasn't is a true, I think, literary achievement. I love the three stick motto of Palmer Eldridge. Yeah. Three stick motto is one of my favorites too, but, uh, since you already said it, um, I'm going to go with, since we've started this process of, of um, rereading from the beginning, um, a big revelation for me was Eye in the Sky. That's also a good one. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't the Cosmic Puppets? It wasn't the Cosmic Puppets. For <laughs> anyone who follows us knows we all hated Cosmic Puppets. Um, and it, it, it's okay not to like everything that Phil did. Um, but uh, I definitely think that Eye in the Sky and his take on what... Um, our individual, um, how we process reality as individuals and what reality means to each person individually, uh, is, is a really underrated concept that he was exploring so early in his career. And I really appreciate that. So, uh, Larry, are you, are you going to give us one or are you going to, you going to skip us? Sound engineer would go. What's your favorite? <laughs> do you have a, do you even have a mic on? I can, I can sort of use this one. Yeah. Do you uh, want to give us one? Uh, I don't know. Policeman is probably my the favorite I read back when I was reading a bunch of his stuff. Uh, because uh, that had all all the elements of uh, of the, the the drug confusion and the paranoia and the, the streets being run by other people than the, the police and the government and <laughs> All this, all this weirdness that I really, I really dug when I was in that part of my life when I was, you know, doing a ton of acid and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, you know, it was just a uh, so so different that uh, that it really stuck me with me. And I know it's one of his more, I guess you you wouldn't necessarily say it's one of his really obscure ones. But it's they still haven't made a movie of it or anything, so I, I consider it sort of one of the lesser known. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think that that fits. Do we have Victor back, by the way? Yeah. Uh, okay, Victor, um, what's uh, your underappreciated PKD novel? Well, what I would say is I would give a shout out to the short stories, uh, especially his early work, just to say to people, get a library card, 
wander those aisles and, and let the books find you. Um, but like I said, rereading Beyond Lies the Web is just a great experience. And because it's, it's bite, they're bite-sized morsels, I think you're going to find a lot, even if you jump around. Um, but one interesting um, thing I would like to suggest is to look at, at the series Electric Dreams, watch the episodes, and then reread the, um, the stories that they're based on to look at the differences. Uh, because a lot of the core themes, you know, are present in both of the works. But it's, I'm really interested to see how, you know, modern artists are adapting him too. But, uh, but to answer your question directly, I would say just, you know, start from the beginning and, and, and start that journey. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, that's the way we, we have been doing the Electric Dreams episodes on the show is, uh, rereading the stories. And, well, that's what we do with all the adaptations that we've broken down. So, all right, let's do one final pitch for, um, your festivals each. So, starting with Cameron, uh, sell us on coming to your fest. Oh, definitely. Um, first off, a film for, uh, Policeman. That sounds great. Uh, John Allen Simone, who directed Radio Free Albemuth, he came to, uh, the first Fort Morgan Philippatic Festival and, uh, did a showing at the Cover Theater of, uh, Radio Free Albemuth. And while he was there, he mentioned that uh, Big Hollywood was exploring the idea of a uh, Flow My Tears, the policeman said film. And at one point, Oliver Stone was looking at directing. Tom Cruise was looking at starring. But uh, they, they, I think they scrapped that idea and they're, and they're looking into, you know, a different director, a different actor. But that's, uh, that's kind of on the table. I would so love Oliver to- Stone to do that. Oh, yeah, me too. Um, the festival... It's going to be August, so we're about six months away. It's going to be August um, 9th, 10th, and 11th. I'm urging people to get there on the 8th and uh, meet people, hang out, mingle, uh, maybe have some dinner, have a few drinks. Um, we're working on transportation from the airport. We'll have more on that. Uh, any information you would like on the festival, you can go to widebooks.com. There's a hyphen in between wide and books, but widebooks.com, and uh that's the publishing company that uh, Lord Running Clam, a.k.a. David Hyde, runs with his buddy Andre Wentz, who will both be at the festival. Uh, Lord Running Clam's hosting it. He hosted the first one in 2017. He's uh, very charismatic, and he loves what he does. There's going to be a lot of great guests, a lot of great events. There's going to be uh, everything from uh, lectures to entertainment, plays. Oh, uh there are a couple of guys who have spent uh, the past couple of years working on a Philip K. Dick-themed uh, Terra deck, and they're calling it the Fool's Journey of Philip K. Dick. And they're at the end of their journey and completing it, and uh, the guys at Wide Books are, are kind of helping them in the final stages of uh, getting getting that, that Terra deck together. And uh, pretty soon, hopefully in the next couple of days, they're going to par- start uh, pre-selling the decks and then the decks will be um, premiered at the festival and available to pick up. And uh, we're working on like mailing people that uh, pre-ordered their decks and whatnot. But the the art and the time, uh, it's Christopher Wilkie, I believe, uh, hand drew all of these. And then uh, his buddy Ted Hand, who's uh, big on the Philip Dick scene, he uh, is a lot of the brains behind the, the inner workings of the Terra. Um, these, these guys, they're planning on bringing the deck out. Uh, so I'm excited about that. We've got David Gill from San Francisco. 
he's bringing a couple of his friends. Uh, he's, um, what, let's see, he hosted the festival that they had in 2012, I believe, and in San Francisco. And, uh, he's quite the character himself. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him again. I, I met him briefly when I went to the, uh, Fullerton conference. Um, there's hotels, plenty of hotels in the area. Uh, if you go to Best Western at Fort Morgan, there's a, uh, uh, Philip Kiddick Festival group block. You're welcome to just like mention the name and, uh, that'll get you a discount on the hotel. There's more affordable, uh, uh, uh hotels in the area, like the Super 8, uh, the Hampton Inns, um, uh, a little more high end and, uh, a couple other in the area. But other than that, uh, let's see. I, we've started a very ambitious, uh, ambitious GoFundMe campaign. And uh, the sole purpose of that is just to accommodate the guests because we have several guests like traveling from overseas and we want to be able to uh, ease some of that um, financial burden of travel. So for the uh, GoFundMe campaign, all of the guests that we've invited, we have decided to like equally distribute the pot amongst the guests to uh, help get them there, to help them have a good time. And the goal of our festival is to educate, entertain, and to bring a lot of people together. Uh, we want to bring people from the community together to help enhance that. We want to bring people from all over the world to help uh, spread this, this, the, these ideas that that feel is spread, while at the same time paying our respects to Philip K. Dick. Uh, the one that I went to, the, the first Philip K. Dick festival in Fort Morgan, it was a blast. Uh, Lord Running Clam, David Hyde, those of you who aren't familiar with him, uh, he hosted a Philip K. Dick festival in Colorado. I believe it was in Netherland, Colorado, and that was in 2010. So he's been at it for a while. He's been a fan, uh, like right after Phil died. He, uh, flew over from England and started touring around with the Grateful Dead and, and, uh, writing magazines themed, uh, you know, Philip K. Dick themed magazines and, uh, flying a Ubik flag from his, uh, from, from his, his, uh, his, 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 his wagon. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, anyway, I hope to see a lot of you out there and, uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, it's, it's been a blast here and I, I hope to see like all of you as well are, are invited to come out this summer. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, get to see Phil's record collection uh, get to meet a lot of other dickheads and uh, spitball some ideas. Yeah, cool. Um, uh, Dan, I know it's late where you are, so uh, let's uh, let's hear your uh, sure. final pitch. Well, I, w I would say to all you filmmakers and Philip K. Dickheads, and if you want a little break from those exciting superhero films that you've been watching all these years, <laughs> and um, Come to our festival. I mean, I think you'll find that, uh, first of all, you'll find many interesting films that make you think a little bit more about what the world's going to be like in five years from now. You'd be surprised how many of the films you're going to be watching at our festival will probably come true to your surprise in the next year or two or five years from now. In fact, we are right now in the process of talking to a couple of writers who will be attending. Um, and talking a little bit about sci-fi prototyping and world building. Uh, it's, it's now the world of science fiction uh, has come to fruition. And it's finally, the, even the corporate world, corporate world realizes that 
They need sci-fi writers to tell them what the world's going to look like five years from now. It's not politicians. It's the sci-fi writers who run the, run the show. And PKD is at the top of that group. So uh, I think you'll find that uh, there'll be a lot of the films will be very interesting. They're all kinds of themes. Some of them will make you uh, cry. Others will make you laugh. Others will make you think. Others will make you uh, really contemplate. So there'll be different modes evoked. We uh, anticipate close to about, uh, right now, between 50 and 60 filmmakers just going to L.A. alone. I mean, these are, they're going to be flying, many of them from Canada, uh, from, Canada from the East Coast, from Europe. Uh, as for New York, we are right now looking at around 20 or 25 filmmakers coming mostly from Europe. So where if you decide to visit us in New York, you're more than welcome. We're starting the festival March uh, 7th at the, at the Museum of the Moving Image in Astoria, Queens, which actually has to, has the replicate of the, uh, um, uh, what was it? It's that building at uh, Blade Runner, I forget, the, uh, not Tyler. Is it that the Tyler building? The, uh, uh, the show at the very beginning of Blade Runner. That's right. That's right. There's a replica there. So it's a it's a futuristic sci-fi museum. If you ever never if you ever always ever in New York, please go there because it's it's you're it's, you're being taken to another world. We're showing films, and uh, we'll start off on Thursday, move on to uh, uh, Saturday. We'll have a full day of uh, uh, PKD shorts and films, and then the following Thursday we pick it up. And um, we pick it up in uh, Echo Park, and then we move on to the Ebo Club. And from the Ebo Club, we... Uh-oh. We cut out. Well, I'll pick up from there. From the yeah. Ebo <laughs> Club, which, which is a 125-year-old building. It's got a beautiful theater, uh, uh, right, like I said, across the street from where Philip K. Dick lived. Uh, we're there on, uh, for opening night on Friday after the Thursday in Los Angeles at Echo Park Film Center. So you can have the 2019 Los Angeles experience in, in LA. Um, so we're, we're Friday night at the uh, Ebel Club and then the OC Museum of Art, uh, over by South Coast Plaza on, uh, Saturday from, uh, 11 to 6. Then we have an evening, uh, screening in, back in Santa Ana. And then we're at the Ebel Club all Sunday, uh, from 11 to 7. We're gonna have panels. We're gonna have parties. It's great places to eat and, and have a drink within walking distance. But also, you know, as an invitation to all those who were inspired by Philip K. Dick to, to meet other people like yourselves, see films you will have never have seen before. We have WonderCon later in March. Um, so the, the Comic-Con and the WonderCon fans, I think you'll like this, uh, um, this festival. We're really close to the five. So if you're coming from San Diego, LA, Riverside, we're just less than a mile from the train station. We also have hotels. We're working on our on our festival hotel um, because we don't have that many in, in Santa Ana, to be honest. Um, but so we'll have that information on the website, thephilipkdickfilmfestival.com. And also we, uh, you're going to get tickets uh, on the, the website, on our website, Media Arts Santa Ana, is masamedia.org, on Eventbrite, and also on Facebook events. You can buy tickets. Passes are only $50 and... We're having a $10 off, uh, uh, sale until March 1st. So you get a discount, see all these films, uh, get a chance, you know, to meet people at Echo Park Film Center. They're doing a lot of really wonderful stuff with alternative media and experimental 
Um, so we really want to have a big party for we celebrate Philip K. Dick's 90th anniversary and um, a lot of surprises and special guests and uh, um, check out the website, thephilipkdickfilmfestival.com. Yeah, and uh, we're planning to be at the events here in uh, Santa Ana and um, be doing some interviews and stuff, at least. Uh, maybe more, so we'll see. But uh, Dickhead's planning on being there um, because we, we were... And it's funny because we had just said before the announcement that was made, we had complained on the show that we were never going to be able to go because uh, we wanted something closer by. <laughs> <laughs> and then... There it was. Uh, so we were super excited to see that there was something close by that we could go to together. So we're, um, we're excited about that. Um, maybe one or some of us will make it out to the events further away. Uh, but, uh, in the near future, but one that's close by, we know we can go to together. So we're really excited about that. And, and, and talking about that, uh, 2374 incident, Fullerton is not that far from. Santa Ana. So for those who are interested in that, you know, we can give you, you'll have information about where he lived in Fullerton. And also CSU Fullerton has the Philip K. Dick papers. So for those in Southern California, if you're into researching him more, definitely look them up. But um, learn more here at our festival. That's already on our radar where we've already been talking about the uh, papers. Uh, although I didn't think about the, uh, the location of the uh, pink laser beaming. Uh, that's really, um, really exciting to think about too. So very cool. Uh, you guys were awesome. Thanks for, uh, coming on dickheads. Um, and, uh, you know, we, uh, probably, uh, have you on again in the future. Uh, thanks for coming out. Yeah. So I'm uh, Yeah. It was nice meeting you guys. Hopefully I'll see some of you guys at the festival in Colorado. Thank you.